Blog Talk Radio. What's up, everybody? Back with Clear Lens Productions podcast. To my Bridgeport residents, what's going on with the North End? I don't know if anybody saw that devastating news about the uh, the murder suicide. That kind of shit ain't cool, man. That's that's really sad to see. And you know anybody who's from the North End, we know recently the issue we had with Buck and Big Baby, like this negative energy and spirit that's out there. That's that's a no-no. We can't have that, man. We got to repair our neighborhoods. Um, I'm gonna be putting up a flyer on my Facebook post about um someone who one of my friends introduced me to. He's starting a program in the center in the terrace that's gonna promote education, mental health, and he's gonna have a lot of physical sport sports activities to go along with that. I uh, really would encourage anybody to support any way you can. It starts with the babies. We got to get the baby's mind right. We can't, we can't be having shit like this happen in our neighborhoods and our homes and our communities. That's, that's just really sad to see. So um, like I said, I'm going to have that posted up on the Facebook. We got to support that. We got to start a conscious movement out here in Bridgeport. Wake people up. Too many motherfuckers is out here sleepwalking. But, um, What we're going to divulge into today is why I am deciding to boycott the NFL. It uh, runs concurrent with Colin Kaepernick not standing for the Star Spangled Banner. And I think we really need to wake up and examine the relationship that we have with the NFL as a black community. So the person who kind of really got this movement started was someone by the name of Sean King. That's uh, Sean, S-H-A-U-N. His last name is King. And uh, I think he's in some sort of connection with Black Lives Matter, I believe. But I know he's an activist. And he has really gotten this message Cross to the masses and he put out an essay on why he decided to boycott the NFL so I'm going to take a second to read that to you guys so we can all get on the same page so and it's pretty funny a little side note when there's an issue in the black community or there is a social problem that we want to stand up for we have to put so much energy and effort, so much energy and effort into proving why we actually have a point. We have to sway everybody to believe that what we believe in matters. If there's any other social issue, if it's feminism or gay rights, you can just say, this is what I'm doing. I don't believe in this. And it's, it's, a, it's accepted on a much broader scale than it is when you speak on anything regarding black people. So anyways, I'm going to get into I'm going to get into the letter. He says, I love sports since I was a young boy. They've been one of the greatest passions of my life. For many years, my dream was to be a general manager of a professional sports team. I still think about it, actually, and sometimes allow my mind to drift to what my life would be like if I still decided to go that route. The stance I am taking today did not come easily. It's heartbreaking, actually. I'm an, I'm an NFL fan. I watched the draft. 
I pay extra for the season pass on television so I can watch every single game. I follow the stats and standings and rankings religiously. It's an escape for me. Day in and day out, as I fight against injustice, watching a great game allows me to decompress from the stress of the cases I'm working on or writing about. I'm 37 years old and literally cannot remember a year in my life where I have not been a sports junkie. But I won't be watching the NFL this year. I can't, in good conscience. Support this league. With many of its pro-Trump owners, as it blacklists my friend and brother, Colin Kaepernick, for taking a silent, peaceful stance against injustice and police brutality in America. It's disgusting and has absolutely nothing, nothing to do with football and everything to do with penalizing a brilliant young man for the principal stance he took last season. I did not want to make this decision, but it became inevitable with the Seattle Seahawks. After flying Kaepernick across country to meet with the team, instead decided to sign Austin Davis, Austin Davis as their backup quarterback. It's a disgrace. I sincerely want to apologize for how hard I am about to go against Austin Davis because it's, it's great that he got the job, but the man is a scrub. In 2012, in 2012, he wasn't even drafted. He signed a free agent deal with the Rams that year and was later cut without playing a single snap. Colin Kaepernick took the 49ers to the Super Bowl that season and has some of the best stats of any quarterback in the playoffs. His 98.3 QB rating for the season was right behind that of Tom Brady. In 2013, the Dolphins signed Austin Davis to the practice squad, but cut him one week later. In Kaepernick's opening game that season for the 49ers, he threw for 412 yards with three touchdowns, the most passing yards in a single game for a 49ers quarterback in a decade. Again, Kaepernick took his team deep into the playoffs and was only a pass away from being back in the Super Bowl. That year, Kaepernick had 21 passing touchdowns with just eight interceptions and again had a stellar 91.6 QB rating, and the team had a 12-4 record. The 49ers responded by making Kaepernick one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the league. In 2014, Austin Davis finally got his first NFL playing time from the St. Louis Rams. But despite some success, he was back on the bench by the end of the season. The following year, Davis served as a backup for the Cleveland Browns and got some playing time, but was later benched in favor of Johnny Manziel and cut by the team in August. The Broncos signed Davis to a one-year deal, but cut him near the end of the 2016 season. Last year, while Davis didn't play a single snap of a regular season game, Colin Kaepernick, playing under his third head coach in three years, threw 16 touchdowns with just four interceptions. Facing national scrutiny, Colin Kaepernick played well on the field with his best QB rating in years and more rushing yards per attempt than any year of his career. His teammates voted to give him the highest honor the team has for a player for, a player for his stellar performance on and off the field. Last season, Colin Kaepernick, and what may be seen as his most turbulent year ever, threw three more touchdowns and interceptions than Austin Davis has in his entire career in the league. But somehow, Colin Kaepernick still doesn't have a job. 
It's racism. It's bigotry. It's discrimination, period. It's not football. Don't call it football. If you call the decisions by 32 teams to not sign this man a football decision, you don't know football and probably voted, probably, probably you voted for Donald Trump. Nearly 100 quarterbacks, 96, in fact, are usually signed to teams in the NFL. The Colin Kaepernick, that Colin Kaepernick is not one of them, is disgusting. Of course, he's one of the top 96 quarterbacks in the league. Kaepernick's longtime rival, Richard Sherman, said he believed Kaepernick was a top 20 quarterback. After not signing him, Seahawks' Pete Carroll, seen as one of the league's foremost experts on quarterbacks, said he believed Kaepernick deserved to be a starter in the league. Somehow, though, the man can't find a single seat on the damn bus. Colin Kaepernick is not washed up. He's the prime. He's in the prime of his physical career. He has no injuries. He's brilliant, brilliantly smart. He's a good family dude with no criminal record. He's a somebody. He's deeply committed to community service. He gets along with his teammates. He takes care of his money. Yet, in spite of playing all his cards right, this man can't get a job in the league because he dared to speak out against police brutality and threaten the ridiculous fragility of the conservative white male fan base. Nobody has kept it more real on the record than the owner and CEO of the New York Giants, John Mara. Mara made it very plain last week that he had never received more, angrily ma- more angry mail and emails about a player or situation than he did about Colin Kaepernick. Who doesn't even play for the Giants? Much of the mail made it abundantly clear that fans will boycott the Giants if they touched Kaepernick or ever had a player who did what he did. Mind you, the Giants across the years have had many players accused of horrific accounts of domestic violence and other criminal activity. But somehow Kaepernick has drawn the most scorn from Giants fans. That's crazy. And that shows you he's true. That shows you what he's truly up against. Perhaps nothing sealed the deal more for me. Perhaps nothing sealed the deal more for me, though, than ESPN deciding that they were going to bring back Hank Williams Jr. to sing their popular Monday Night Football anthem before NFL broadcast. Let's not forget, Williams openly called Barack Obama Hitler, then a Muslim, and has gone on a bigoted and homophobic rant since. Hank Williams Jr. is basically Donald Trump with a guitar. He's a bigot. Everybody knows it. His songs and statements have echoed bigotry for years. But now that Obama is out of office, he's back. It's a spit in the face of every African-American fan, every LGBT fan, and everybody who despises bigotry and Islamophobia. Hank Williams Jr. and Austin Davis are employed right now, and Colin Kaepernick isn't. Shame on this league for following Trump's lead and spirit, tone, and noun actions. I'm appalled. As a, as a lifelong fan, I'm deeply disappointed. What I do know is this. I can't support this product. I have to be honest. Though the decision to boycott the league this year was not my own, watching the games every Sunday and Monday and Thursday with my 10-year-old son had long since became a pastime in my house. A few days ago, after seeing an advertisement for a special on the NFL, he literally said to me, Dad, we can't watch after what they've done to Colin and with all of those owners loving Donald Trump so much. I agree, son. We can't. We won't. This league does not value us. It hires hundreds of black men to play on the field until their brains and bodies break. 
but refuses to give those same men space to be fully human and stand boldly against injustice. Maybe if Colin Kaepernick gets a deal, it would change my mind. But deep damage, but deep damage is already done. As a leader in the Black Lives Matter movement, as voice in the resistance to Donald Trump, and as a friend of Colin Kaepernick, I cannot, in good conscience, support the NFL any longer. If I did, I'd struggle to look my own son in the eyes or look at myself in the mirror. So that's it. That's what Sean King had to say. And I have to say I agree 1,000%. I can no longer support this product. And so Sean King gave you a very detailed description of how he felt. Now, I'm going to go even a little deeper. So one of the first things I want to start with is our American symbolism. And there's a few things I want to break down about our American symbolism. And that's going to be the Pledge of Allegiance, the Star Spangled Banner, and the flag itself. Now, if you go to, I believe the website is called The Root, they give you an insight on the actual stitching of the American flag. So they tell you on theroot.com, there's no historical of such an occurrence that I believe, I believe her name is Betsy Ross, that she created the American flag. No historical record. It is a fact that her husband, John Ross, had African slaves on his land, and among them were descendants of the African empires of the Mandinka and the Songhai. Among the many great skills of these Africans was their advanced knowledge of weaving. So great were their skills, many African kings and queens had their clothing made by them. In addition, it's simply unlikely that a white person of European descent of this era would have had the skills needed to create a flag. I searched the records, and among the Africans held captive by John Ross was a woman known as Oyo, which was a kingdom of Mandinka. I believe it was Oyo who created the flag and not Betsy Ross. I found a letter written by Ross in which he indicated that Oyo was used to fashion and repair clothing. It is likely that the flag she created, the new United States looked more like these current African flags. It is likely that the, that the flag she created, the, the new United States, looked more like these current African flags. So wh- how often do we hear that explanation or that side of things in a textbook or in a classroom format? And so we get these pamphlets usually for African History Month, African American History Month, And it tells us about all the great things that black people did that they won't educate us about any other time of the year. This is one of them. All of these American symbols, these American songs, let's really divulge into the root of these things. So we have an African woman from either the Songhai or the Mandinka who possibly 
completely created the American flag or heavily participated in it, and we never see Oyo in the textbook. But we praise and admire Betsy Ross. So that's the American flag, most likely created by an African woman. And uh, I just want to say it's not the military's flag, because I know the military was very offended by Colin Kaepernick's action. The military fought for him to be able to have freedom of speech and fight towards the betterment of the country. You don't get to pick and choose when and what is patriotic. So people like to create a new narrative for history. They tell us what we can be emotional about. They give the flag new meaning, new terms, a new definition. We've been brainwashed to believe a lot of things that aren't true. We've believed a lot of half stories throughout history. Our sides of things usually more often than not get left out. So that's my take on the American flag. We, we've given credit to a white woman who most likely didn't create it. And that, like I said, you can find that article on theroot.com. So the next thing I want to get into is the Star Spangled Banner. There's a backstory to the Star Spangled Banner that doesn't get told. And like I said prior, we have been told a lot of half stories. So I'm going to read another article from theroot.com. This is the Star Spangled Banner. So we already have some hidden knowledge on the American flag. Now let's look at this. In the case of our national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner, perhaps not knowing the full lyrics is a good thing. It is one of the most racist, pro-slavery, anti-black songs in the American lexicon, and you should be wise to cut it from your 4th of July playlist. The Star Spangled Banner, as most Americans know it, is only a couple lines. Is only a couple of lines. In fact, if you look up the song on Google, only the famous lyrics pop up on page one. The story, as most of us are told, is that Francis Scott Key was a prisoner on a British ship during the War of 1812 and wrote this poem while watching the American troops battle back the invading British in Baltimore. That, as is the case with 99% of history that is taught in public schools and regurgitated by the mainstream press, is less than half the story. To understand the full Star Spangled Banner, you have to understand the author. Key was an aristocrat and city prosecutor in Washington, D.C. He was like most enlightened men at the time. Not against slavery, he just thought that since blacks were mentally inferior, masters should, masters should treat them with more Christian kindness. He supported sending free blacks, not slaves, back to Africa and with a few exceptions was about as pro-slavery, anti-black, and anti-abolitionist as you could get at the time. Of particular note was Key's opposition to the idea of the colonial Marines. The Marines were a battalion of runaway slaves who joined with the British Royal Army in exchange for their freedom. The Marines were not only ter a terrifying example of what slaves would do if given the chance, but also a repudiation of the white superiority that men like Key were so invested in. All of these ideas and concepts came, to, came together around August 24, 1815, in the B Battle of Bladensburg, where Key, who was serving 
as a lieutenant at the time, ran into a battalion of colonial Marines. His troops were taken to the woodshed by the very black folks he disdained, and he fled back to his hometown he, in Georgetown to lick his wounds. The British troops, emboldened by their victory in Bladensburg, then marched into Washington, D.C., burning the Library of Congress, the Capitol Building, and the White House. You can imagine that he was very much in his feelings, seeing black soldiers trampling on the city he so desperately loved. A few weeks later, in September of 1815, far from being a captive, he was on a British boat begging for the release of one of his friends, a doctor named William Bean. He was on the boat waiting to see if British waiting to see if the British will release his friend when he observed the bloody battle of Fort McHenry in Baltimore on September 13, 1815. America lost the battle but managed to inflict heavy casualties on the British in the process. This inspired Key to write the Star-Spangled Banner. Right then and there. But no one remembers that he wrote a full third stanza decrying the former slaves who are now working with the British Army. And this is how that third stanza goes. And where is that band who so vauntingly swore that the havoc of war and the battle's confusion, a home and a country, should leave us no more? Their blood has washed out their foul footsteps pollution. No refuge could save the Ireland enslaved from the terror of flight or the gloom of the grave. And the star-spangled banner and triumph, and triumph doth wave. Or the land of the free and the home of the brave. In other words, Key was saying that the blood of all the former slaves and Irelings on the battlefield will wash away the pollution of the British invaders. With Key still bitter that some black soldiers got the best of him a few weeks earlier, the Star Spangled Banner is as much a patriotic song as it is a distract to black people who had the audacity to fight for their freedom. Perhaps that's why it took almost 100 years for the song to become the national anthem. You can look at that article on theroot.com slash star spangled bigotry, the hidden racist history. So what are we talking about here, people? Like, what are we talking about? So people who think the conscious community is just so full of shit. When we say this country was founded on racism, we're still... Practing forms of racism We embody racist symbolism This is the kind of shit we're talking about We have a nigga over here who wrote a diss song To black people And we sing the song How many beautiful black women have we seen sing their hearts out This song that has a hidden message That they intentionally cut in half so let's now let's take a, a look into society. When somebody does something wrong in t- today's society, they ruin their name, and now they can no longer be a part of society. It's a perfect example if we talk about Bill Cosby. So Bill Cosby allegedly raped women, allegedly sexually harassed women. But that allegation in itself was enough to destroy the Cosby name, and, an, and it was enough for 
these corporations to not allow this man to flourish and make any more money. Shows got removed from Netflix. He can no longer do comedy tours. Stripped of everything. Lost his name due to allegations. But we have this guy, Francis Scott Key, who we know in the history books was a racist. Didn't like black people. Was as bigoted as you can get at that time. But for somewhere reasons, there's a soft spot in your heart for Francis Scott Key. So we're not going to hold him to the same expectations that we would, we would Bill Cosby. We're not going to punish him the same way we would Bill Cosby. Because when you look up the history of who this man is and what he was about, it's not anything that you would think today's American society would like to support. So why do we sing his song? History is history, but why are we still practicing and singing his message? Why are we still uplifting a man who clearly was against black people? Why? And these motherfuckers have us fooled. They have us fooled. They have us fooled. Because they're going to cut out half the song and tell all these beautiful black women to sing the rest of the song. A song that was written... In opposition to them. So for my white listeners, I don't I don't support the Star Spangled Banner. I don't support the lies we've been told in the classroom about the creation of the American flag. And I'm not done. I'm not done. Now we're going to slightly divulge next into the Pledge of Allegiance. So. Here's another article I have, and this is from therealnews.com about the Pledge of Allegiance. So, so this is a, a professor. His name – I'll add it, guys. I don't want to hold you up. I'll add his, uh, the, the, the details. I'll have this link in my description box of where I got this actual article from. But let me just begin to read the article. So this black college professor is getting interviewed. So he says, the person asking the question says, so let's talk about the flag and this allegiance to the flag that we're required to pledge in every public school. What does it mean? Where does it come from? So now we have the response of the black professor. The black professor says, well, it's very interesting. The Pledge of Allegiance actually comes into play in the late 19th century. It was devised in no small measure because the United States had only recently fought the bitter civil war where upwards of 700,000 people were slaughtered on battlefields and in their houses. And it was thought that this artificially constructed former slaveholders republic needed some kind of glue to help to bring disparate elements together and Viola, and, and Viola, you have the Pledge of Allegiance, which is actually not formally adopted until about 1942 when the United States once again was challenged by war, this time by World War II, battle against Berlin and Japan, and once again, the issue of national unity was at play. 
not least because a substantial percentage of the citizenry, particularly those those of African descent, were subjected to routine atrocities. And it was felt that they would not necessarily be enthusiastic about shedding their blood and making the ultimate sacrifice for this so-called republic. And so, therefore, you had the installation of the Pledge of Allegiance, particularly in schools, because it, because it was thought that you had to get U.S. nationals at an early age in order to inculate in them some sort of identification with the United States. So now we have the journalist who asks, in the terms of African-American history that you refer to here, where is there signs of resistance to this? The black professor says, well, you should look at the third stanza of the Star-Spangled Banner, which is sung routinely, as you know, at sporting events at every major, perhaps even minor, even at this country. The third stanza, the lyrics devised by Francis Scott Key of Maryland, who, by the way, was a slave owner and, by the way, in 1835, helped to incite a pogrom against African descent, particularly slaves in the Washington, D.C., Baltimore area. In the third stanza, he denounced the black population of the United States, and one of the reasons he denounced them is because the Star-Spangled Banner comes out of the War of 1812. When there was this conflict between Britain, the former colonial power, and the United States of America, which had seceded from the British Empire in 1776, Viola, the the July 4 holiday. And the African population, by several orders of magnitude, not only fought against the secession in 1776, but they aligned with London. And when the Redcoats invaded particularly Washington, D.C., Maryland area in August 1814, and they set Washington, D.C. afire, set the White House afire, sent President James Madison and his garrulous spouse, Dolly, fleeing into the streets once ahead of, and the Star-Spangled Banner speaks specifically and particularly to that reprimanding, reproving, and denouncing black people for not standing alongside the Star-Spangled Banner, but instead aligning as the black population tended to with the real and imagined enemies of the United States of America. So now, the journalist says, Gerald, today we were asked to dress our preschool children in red, white, and blue for their July 4th parade that was taking place at the school. Now, some of the parents raised our, our, raised our eyebrows and resisted, and we, of course, didn't dress the kids in, in those colors. How do people, ordinary, pe- ordinary people, start to resist this kind of nationalistic indoctrination from the very early onset at school? So the black professor says, well, I salute the parents at your children's school, including yourself, for engaging in your own form of resistance. Obviously, that kind of resistance needs to be duplicated and magnified from the Atlantic to the the Pacific. And I think that that, in fact, has been happening. And you need to realize, once again, that one of the reasons why there is this resolute insistence upon the Pledge of Allegiance and the red, white, and blue 
and the saluting the flag, it's because this is a jerry-rigged republic. There is a denial of the reality that this so-called republic was based primarily upon enslaving black people, enslaving in descent, and rather than acknowledge that brutal and bitter reality and its complement, which was exploration of the land and property of, of your Native Americans, we get this happy talk and we get the insistence upon saluting the flag and singing the Star Spangled Banner, but that only helps to generate a number of more deeper resistance. And so they thank each other, and they end the interview there. So let's talk about this Pledge of Allegiance. The Pledge of Allegiance. The Pledge of Allegiance actually comes into play in the 19th century. It was devised in no small measure because the United States had only fought the bitter civil war where upwards of 700,000 people were slaughtered on battlefields and in their houses. And it was thought that this artificially constructed former slaveholders republic needed some kind of glue to help bring dis- disparate elements together. And you have the Pledge of Allegiance. Let's talk about it. And then the Pledge of Allegiance doesn't even really that deeply or strongly come into play until 1942 when the United States once again was challenged by war. World War II, the battle against Berlin and Japan. And once again, the issue of national unity was at play. Not least because a substantial percentage of the citizenry, particularly those of African descent, were subjected to routine atrocities. And it was felt that they would not necessarily be enthusiastic about shedding their blood and making the ultimate sacrifice for the so-called republic. Don't fuck with me, y'all. And so, therefore, you had the installation of the Pledge of Allegiance, particularly in schools, because it was thought that you had to get U.S. nationals at an early age in order to inculate in them them some sort of identification with the United States of America. This shit has been a game. This shit is a game. This shit is a game. The whole ideology of the Pledge Pledge of Allegiance is a fucking game. The Pledge of Allegiance was only to get people inspired to fucking go to war, to make them think that they were actually a part of something that they were never fucking a part of. So why the fuck I got to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance? Why the fuck I got to sing this bogus-ass song written by a racist man? Why the fuck I got to give this white woman credit for creating a flag that she probably didn't have nothing to fucking do with? I need y'all to feel me. I got to turn up a little bit. I need y'all to understand. I know we're doing a lot of reading. I know... People probably didn't turn my shit off by now, but I take a minute, go get some grub, come back, click play again. We we gotta have this conversation. We gotta go over the knowledge. We gotta discuss the history. Now I don't wanna bore y'all, but this is it. All all of these signs of American symbolism is some very heinous, strategic, sick game. We it's like we're we're the victims. In a fucking Saw movie. So they're teaching black people to respect all these forms of patriotic symbolism that were never fucking created for you. They never cared about our black asses. And now I got to sit up in my public school in the fucking projects, put my hand over my heart, sing the Pledge of Allegiance, listen to the Star Spangled Banner, look at a flag that my ancestors probably fucking created but don't get no fucking credit. So like I said, you can the first two articles are on the root that go into Oyo creating the American flag, that go into the Star Spangled Banner, and this one is on the realnews.com. 
where they interview this college professor. Look into this shit, guys. Okay, so now that we got that out the way, that we have discovered that this patriotism is actually covert racism. I think that's the the best way to put it. This patriotism is actually covert racism. Now let's 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 talk about the career length and the health and a little bit of the financial aspect that goes into being a player for the National Football League. The black community is a primary catalyst for our young men to go get brain damage and put their bodies on the line. I don't know what kind of mumbo juice, what kind of idiocracy, what kind of stupidity we've been following to think that this is a great career. I play football myself. I'm not demonizing football, but to hold football on this pedestal like it is a it's it's it, like it's going to be this great thing for you is is usually not the case. 90 plus percent of the time it's usually not the case. So let's look at some some statistics cuz I already know I I could feel it in my spirit. I'm getting pulled back from whoever's listening. 78% 78% of players after they retire go broke. They go broke. So financially they set you up for failure and then they have this way of just writing it all, oh these guys aren't responsible. Are they really not responsible or there is something that we're missing by not helping them if 78% of them are going broke? Now, there's a medical condition called CTE that runs concurrent with trauma from concussions. This is what Will Smith was touching on in the movie Concussion. I forget the name of his actual character. And then let's not forget that the average career span, once you make it to the NFL, is only three to five years. So the odds of your going broke, the odds of your injury, and the odds of your actual career length are pathetic. You can take that money and invest. You can, you can take that time and energy and money and invest it into an, an actual career and, and, and science. You could actually do something that's going to help you in the long run. But we are we are in a society where black people were brainwashed. We're, 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 we're brainwashed and we fall for the propaganda. So they tell you, oh, go, go play football. It's going to change your life. This is, this is what you want to do more than anything in the world. You want to be a football player. And they know it's only for the entertainment. They know they only want to see black boys run up and down the field until they don't work no more. And then they're going to throw them and chuck them to a pile of wood. They just got a pile of of broken niggas on the side of the field. Now you broke and you got concussions, got CTE, all of this shit. But we fall for it. And we encourage our our young children that you don't, this is the best thing ever for you. There are a lot of great things that go with football. It teaches you dedication, discipline. So I'm not saying football is a terrible thing, but to make football your lifelong decision and to chase after it, 
as a long-term goal for a career, you should probably rethink that. You should probably look at some of these statistics. Like I said, CTE is an issue that runs concurrent with concussions. And that way, this was actually in the movie Concussion. Check this out. In 2012, 261 players with CTE. 98% get CTE. 2013, 229 players with CTE. 2014, 206 players with CTE. 2015, 271 players with CTE. And the majority of the players in the NFL are us. I can't find my statistic. I believe it's 71%. 71% of black men in the NFL getting CTE, going broke with short careers, getting brain damage, getting brain damage. And guys, that shit that they were talking about in the movie Concussion, Will Smith, that shit really happens. These guys really do be committing suicide. Google. I want everybody to Google after the show is over. NFL players diagnosed with CTE who committed suicide. It's a list of them. That shit is really happening. It's a real thing. And it gets brushed under the rug by the NFL. And they, they put a blindfold on you. Okay, yeah, we're doing this stud- these studies. We have these doctors. They don't really give a fuck. And there's a ton of articles you can read about all the shady business about how they don't really give a fuck about these symptoms, these concussions, these CTE statistics. They just make you think they give a fuck. So with 71% of our, our black boys being in this league, and none of them being in the fucking front office, what's the long-term goal? The NFL brushes this kind of stuff off. They don't want to divulge into this. Because guess what? If they did and and, and motherfuckers woke up, you wouldn't have all these little black boys aspiring to be NFL players. You might have little black boys who who, who want to do another career that's going to bring forth more to them out of life. Not a career that's only going to last a couple of years. That's going to give them brain damage and possibly aid them in going broke. Don't let's. We got to stop falling for the propaganda. We got to stop falling for the okie doke. The NFL are they're very aware of all of these statistics. And so, and also, these guys get addicted to pain medication. These guys get addicted to drugs because of all the trauma they go through on the field players, their education, their mental health, their well-being, it's all put on the back burner so they can show for that big show. I get, I give you guys a story. I was at a, a, a Black Wall Street event for uh, for the kids on Barnum Ave, for my Bridgeport listeners, about a month or two ago. And I had a guy who played for UConn. And he told, he said that the coaches didn't like it when the tutors came on the road. And he hurt. He hurt himself. He was this guy's a basketball player at UConn, so he he hurt himself. This was in the early two thousands, and the coach told him, "Yeah, I know you hurt yourself, but we're gonna give you this numbing agent to to inject in your knee, and you might hurt your knee more, but we need you to play because somebody else got hurt, so we don't have any other choice." And when he said, "Yo, you sound crazy. I don't want to hurt my knee more," the coach told him he wasn't hurt, working hard enough. All because he didn't want to take the shot. All because he didn't want to take the shot. This white coach told this black player, you, you're not working hard enough because he valued his health over 
the success of the team that night. Isn't that crazy? Now, to go back into the NFL, these guys are underpaid, too. NFL players are making more money, are making the most money out of all of the professional games. So now we, now you're going to get CTE, you're going to go broke, you're going to have a short career, you're going to get addicted to pain meds, and you're going to be underpaid compared to your peers in professional sports. So that kind of wraps up my point on the career length, health, and money. So I really, and, and all of these statistics, guys, you can look up. Go look up how often NFL players go broke. Go look up how dangerous CTE is and how common it is in football. Go look up these guys' career spans. And we are the primary catalyst, 71% of the league. Our black, our black boys, our black men are the catalyst for these kind of experiences. This going broke, this CTE, this, these short-lived careers, getting addicted to pain medication. This is happening to our people black community we got to wake up we have to wake up we have to wake up i encourage anybody to do their own research on those topics so now let's get into a a, a little bit with colin kaepernick one thing i want to say as i divulge into what happened around colin kaepernick taking the knee for anybody who doesn't know just very quickly Colin Kaepernick silently protested against police brutality, and he took a knee during the Star Spangled Banner, and it's caused all this controversy. And now pretty much he's not getting hired for a job in NFL, and many of us believe it's because of him taking that knee. And I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. That's what Sean King was referring to. I know everybody isn't privy to what Colin Kaepernick did. So white people. The flag and American dream is not tailored toward us, towards us black people. Kaepernick wasn't disrespecting the flag. It didn't have much to do with the flag and nothing to do with the army. It was a protest for everyone to live the American dream because we currently aren't as black people. The armed forces fought for him to have the ability to take the stance that he took. Not for him to do what you want him to do. You don't have to stand for those songs. That's a Wake up, black people. We don't have to support those things. It's our rights. We have those options. They like it when you coon away and you support these these patriotic symbols. But we don't have to support that shit. So fuck how you feel. I don't have to do that. And if I feel that something is wrong and I want to take a silent protest and I and I believe Initially, when he started taking the knee, he said it was just police brutality as a whole. Another fun fact, police brutality is happening to everyone. Majority black people, but it's happening to everyone. An Asian kid just got killed. White kid, white kid got killed earlier this year. The police is often everybody. It's an American issue. The majority us. But it's happening to everybody. It's a problem that y'all don't want to deal with because y'all hold the police to such high regard. I don't want to get into much on policing because there's there's a lot that goes. I'm gonna have to do. I'm gonna have to do a whole series 
on policing as a whole because there's so many different angles I can begin to take with policing. And I will say, we're going to get into it later, but police police officers are the foot soldiers for racism in this country. So we suffer from the actions taken by the racist foot soldiers in this country. And they and the white media does this thing where they really put a heavy emphasis on the disparity, the color issue between white and black, between white officers in blue and innocent black lives. And they really market that well. And they almost treat the white people who get killed by police almost like sacrifices to keep the racist nature of white officers against black people flourishing. The Advice Show TV YouTube channel he does a whole segment on this when he talks about this hashtag boycott the NFL. So if you look at Advice Show TV, I've mentioned him before. You look at the, the stances he took on supporting the boycott of the NFL. He he broke that down much deeper than I'm going to now. Like I said, we're going to touch on police brutality in another episode, but it, it's a lot of fuckery that goes with police brutality and the racism is marketed very well. And they treat their the, the white people who get killed like sacrifices. And uh, the reason I'm mentioning that is because Colin Kaepernick didn't say black people initially. He just said people. But we don't, white, white America does not want to acknowledge the behavior of the police officer. So we've given the rights to protest, and he protested in a very silent, strategic, respectful way, and we still get torn down. And we're in this, this society where we are not allowed to care about our issues. Black people are expected to have a very unwavering loyalty to a country that never liked black people. When has this country ever been the land of the free for us? People need to understand black and white. People need to understand both black and white. Because we got a bunch of house niggas in a sunken place. So when we when we speak these messages, it's to the brothers as well. Because we got a lot of brothers out here in the sunken place who will vouch and cape for the white community. So fuck y'all too. And in my last episode, y'all know how I went in on that. Check out my last episode when we're talking about the Philando Castillo incident. Fuck the black good cops who are not standing up and preaching against these murderers. Fuck them. So fuck the niggas in the sunken place. Fuck the good cops who are not standing up for us and are letting us get murdered and going about, about with their lives. It's, not, it's, just not, it's not just a war against white people. We are at war with ourselves as well. These socially engineered motherfuckers who are taught to hate themselves. Who will tell you you crazy when you care about a racial disparity or a racial issue. So the issues for black people in this country never stop. And if anybody hasn't seen the movie The 13th, they create great imagery of how 
different eras morphed into different times of racism. Slavery morphed into Jim Crow, which morphed into the war on drugs, which morphed into mass incarceration, which is now morphing into some of the most extreme efforts of police brutality on black people we have ever seen. Just so you know, we are on track to have the most violent year of police brutality ever in history this year in 2017. So white people, house niggas, stop telling us to suck it up. Don't tell me how to feel when I'm being treated differently than other groups of people simply because the color of my skin. Let's not do that. Don't 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 tell me how to feel when the facts are there. We are living through some of the most violent times against police ever. If y'all motherfuckers keep it up at the rate y'all going, this is going to be the most violent year of police brutality ever. But then you got these house niggas in the white America who tell you not to give a fuck. Fuck you. Because you don't care about black lives. Getting murdered in cold blood on the street. Because you don't care about your white sacrifices. When the police kill y'all. And y'all don't want to take no notice to the murders of y'all people and just market it as a black issue. To keep the war against black and the police officers and to make sure that racism is flourishing. Fuck you. I'm going to call you out on that shit. Don't tell me how to feel. Don't tell me not to point it out. Don't tell me to bow to your gods, your foot soldiers, call police. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And then you have all of these veterans who are so upset. A lot of veterans are black, and they're suffering from these same inequalities. And on top of that, we live in a society where the veteran isn't held up to, to the caliber that they should be. The veterans should be supporting that shit, and they should be sitting with him. Where are the veterans' jobs? You got all these unemployed veterans out here. We talk a good talk for veterans, but what's the reality? Where are their jobs? What about p- people committing suicide and being diagnosed with PTSD when they come home? No, we don't talk about that. All these unemployed veterans, where their jobs at? We got all these American men and women in these other countries shooting other people's fucking babies for some fucking resources. Talking about the land of the fucking free, the land of the brutal, the land of the fucking evil, the devil's land, motherfucker. What the fuck are you talking about? People over there murdering babies for some fucking resources. That's what this country was built off of, Christopher Columbus. Christopher Columbus, my ass, Christopher Columbus came over there raping and murdering motherfuckers. Genocide. That's how white people get down. That's the American way. That's the shit, that's the kind of shit y'all do. But then you want me to advocate for that. You want me to support war. You want me to send my babies over there to kill, to kill other people's fucking babies with some fucking resources. Fuck you. And then when motherfuckers can't, can't come home, they can't get a fucking job. But then when this football player, he take a knee for, for these fucking inequalities that we facing and these disparities through this country. It's all this fucking pullback. Nah, we got to recognize this shit for what it is. The veteran ain't being treated right. Black people ain't being treated right. And, and let's look at the double, the double standard on social issues. 
And if um, I'm not used to doing shows myself, guys. So if I'm staying stuck in one place, I'm repeating myself. Definitely comment. Or if there's an, a topic that you'd like to know more on, if you know, if somebody wants me to divulge more into that, what I was saying earlier about the white sacrifices for police brutality, I can definitely ha- create a dialogue with you and further explain what I meant by that. But I, I, w- I want to keep it moving. I'm going to speed it up a little bit. I don't want to hold you off ever. So um, let's look at the double standard on social issues. We got gay rights, feminism, animals. If he would have stood for any of these issues, it would have been just okay. And all these white people say, oh, it's not a place for sports. Social issues have a home in sports until it's an issue concerning black people. So it's not a place for sports when it's black people, when it's anything else. It's absolutely okay. The NBA didn't have an all-star game in North Carolina over bathroom signs. Would they have taken an equally strong position on the murders of black people? I think not. When leagues incorporate a political agenda to defend a gender preference, it is the very reason why I have a problem when they condemn brothers and sisters who take a stance. So we won't have a, 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 a basketball game in a city based, over some, based on some bathroom signs? But you mad at a man taking a knee over people getting murdered and not having to suffer consequences? Yo, Brandon Marshall lost a sponsor. Contributing to Collins' movement, and they and, and look, they put this little hoity-toity response up. It says, although we have enjoyed Brandon Marshall as our spokes, spokesperson over the past five months, Air Academy Federal Credit Union (AAFCU) has ended our partnership. Glenn Streep, the AAFCU's president and CEO, wrote in a Facebook statement, probably a white man, AAFCU is a membership-based organization who has proudly served the military community for over 60 years. While we respect Brandon's rights of expression, his actions are not a representation of our organization and membership. We wish Brandon well on his future endeavors. Brandon Marshall has Brandon Marshall lost a sponsor for standing up for a cause. These white people work together to maintain white, maintain white supremacy. So I can't, I can't stand up for an issue that's clearly going on wrong in the country. So you take money from me. So black lives being taken in ways that could have been very easily prevented mean they that means just as much in this country as anyone else's movement. Black people dying means just as much as anybody else's movement. So, yo, white people talk a good talk, but y'all don't walk a good walk. Do you really care? White people are quick to say racism is wrong, but when you respond to it, you're doing the wrong thing. So they'll say, yo, I don't agree with racism. I'm not a racist. Like that fucking guy who does the show with Charlamagne the God. That's the most racist white man in the fucking world. Anytime somebody come with a conscious opinion... Or is or is, is something pro black? He teared him the fuck down. But the right after he make his point, he goes, "Oh, but I know white supremacy is, exists, and I'm I'm not a racist bullshit, nigga. You a racist." So that's what these white people do. They tell you, "Oh no, I um, I I, I don't support racism. I think that's wrong. I'm not a racist. I don't see color." But then when you talk about a color issue, or you stand up and do something about it, they're like, "Hold on now. You're not supposed to actually take any any action." 
you're supposed to talk quietly in your small cohort. So you can talk about anything in this country, but don't talk about the issues that black people have. They said, oh, he should find another way. Why? White people love finding ways to finesse their white denial. They don't like their dirty laundry aired. They like to do their dirt behind the scenes. You don't put their dirt out there like that or they have a fucking heart attack. But remember, these are the same people who say, I don't agree with racism. He brought light to an issue on a worldwide level. And they told him to shut up and play football. It's funny, but these same, these, the, the same groups of people were advocating for Muhammad Ali when he died. I thought Muhammad Ali was this great activist, somebody who stood for what he believed in, and now we're praising him and giving him all this credit. But Colin Kaepernick is, is, is evil. He's scum. And it's just like white America, they just don't get it. Shannon Sharp said he spoke to a coach when they when they were talking. They had the panel on um, his show. He said he spoke to I think it's a college coach, but he was basically like, "What issues are you talking about? You have the white coach is saying this. You have black billionaires and you have a black president. Like he's just acting like, what is this racism thing you speak of? Like what what are you, what are you talking about? They know what the fuck we talking about." But they like to hide behind this white denial and then criticize people when they try to stand up for the black communities. And there's nothing wrong with being disconnected and not understanding. But there is something wrong with not caring and not listening. So if you've only been around white people your whole life and you don't understand what black people are talking about, I, I understand that. But once you are given the information. You have to listen. You have to listen. If you if you are told the reality of the black experience in this country and you still choose to not give a fuck and to move about your, your married life, you're a racist. Sorry. Sorry to tell you that. So if you have a black employee and they break down to you what it's like being black and what it's like being pulled over as a black person, yada, 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 and then your white ass turn around and support the murder of one of us after you've been educated on, on the experience of a black person, you are a racist. I told you guys in the last show, I am not separating anybody. I'm not doing subcategories. You're either with us or you against us. And I'm going to explain something real quick. I'm going to explain what it's like being a black novelty in this country. What being a black novelty is, is white women want to have sex with black men. White men want to have sex with black women. But that's about it. We're just, we're just used for pleasure in this country. So it's, it's funny because you'll see these, you see white people who, who brag, white women, they brag about how much they, off, how often they fuck black men. And you see them pulling up, bumping future. And you see them, they want to hang out in the clubs where all the brothers is going to be at. All the alpha males, where we party at. They want to be in our circles. But then, when it gets a little uncomfortable... When they start to get a little bit of information about the black experience in this country, they wave that white flag. Oh no no no! They don't, they don't want to have. They don't even want to entertain those conversations. They don't want to have those. They don't want to have those conversations. So you mean to tell me 
What is this? What is this term called, brothers? Cultural appropriation, I believe. So you gonna come over here? You gonna party in my neighborhood? You gonna listen to the music I created? And you gonna fuck members of my community? You gonna have sex with members of my community? But then when I try to get you up to speed on what's happening to my people and the things we experience, you pull your the white denial card. You pull the white flag. Oh, I, you know, you, you don't, you don't understand it. You don't want to hear us out. Yada yada yada. It makes you uncom- it, it, it makes you uncomfortable to divulge into those topics. And you try to hide behind this banner that you don't understand. You don't get it. Maybe, maybe black people should think differently. You try to educate us about our experiences, but you want to be so a part of us. You want to be a part of everything we do, but you don't want to realistically hear out what it's like being black in this country. And that's bullshit. I disagree with that completely. You stay the fuck over there. You don't have that right to come over here and be a part of my culture, be in in my neighborhoods, be in my club, listen to my music, fuck members of my community, but then have the option to choose not to give a fuck about my community, not to give a fuck about Black Lives Matter, not to give a fuck about Colin Kaepernick, not to give a fuck about mass incarceration, not to give a fuck about boys and girls in the black community not being properly educated, not being given the proper nutrition. So when those topics start to come up, you flee away. You get all uncomfortable. You try to change the topic. You try to tell us how to feel, how to think. You want to dead the conversation when our problems come up. Well, guess what? You don't get to abuse us and use us to your liking. You don't get to fucking come to the hood Sit on some black dick, go home, listen in the future. And white white women always use this thing where they they think fucking a black man gives 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 them some kind of activist like potential. They go, what do you mean? I don't understand black life. I fuck black men. What does that mean? What does that mean? And I, I just recently put a post on my Facebook about that. It was, it was like one of those, those meme things going around that, that, that touched on what I'm saying. What does that mean that you fuck a black man? That means you care about all black issues now? That, that means that you, you, down, you down for the cause? That means you marching now? That, that, mean, that, that makes you an activist because you sat on a black dick? But that same black dick you sat on when there's a racial injustice that happens to him, you're going to tell him white people aren't that bad. You're seeing it the wrong way. Are you just getting uncomfortable and you don't even want to entertain that conversation and you, you switch the topic? I, don't, I disagree with that, ladies. If you're a white woman, just because you're fucking a black man doesn't mean you fixing the problem, doesn't mean you so for the people. That doesn't give you some kind of, of badge of achievement. Doesn't make you a part of the community. You actually have to listen and care and act. And if you don't want to, that is fine. I'm not telling white people you got to do anything. But don't come over here and be all a part of this. Stay over there in white suburbia and we stay over here. You don't have the right to culturally appropriate us and give a fuck when you choose to. Stay over there if you don't want to give a fuck. I don't have a problem with you staying the fuck over there and we'll stay the fuck over here. What they were doing was they... 
nobody had a rebuttal for the actual issue of police brutality. So they just continue to find a way to slander him. So I don't understand why why you have to be perfect to stand up for a black issue. And their main thing was him not voting. Um, Newsflash. Trump lost. What is it called? The, the popular votes? Trump lost. And he's still the president. So I, 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 I'm this. We love to preach vote, how important voting is, but what is the reality that you you can support and vote and, and still do all of these things and still get a racist, bigoted president? So how important is voting really? So because he didn't vote, and even if he would have voted, we still would have ended up Donald Trump. Now that completely destroys his message. I don't understand that. Now, so, so now what he was standing for has no value because he didn't vote. And that's just what they do. They try to find ways to tell you you ain't shit. To tell you your opinion or your emotion is null and void because you didn't vote, because you didn't do this, because you didn't do that. So you don't have a right to care about anything regarding African-Americans in this country unless you're an absolutely perfect citizen, which Colin Kaepernick is close to being, as we read in Sean King's letter. So Ray Rice hasn't played in the NFL due to the backlash he received from the feminists. Even with his wife explaining that, she, she forgives the nigga. They need the money for their family. The NFL went right along with that movement. When it's a white folk issue, they took a stand immediately. So all those white feminists was like, oh, we're not having that over here. And y'all shouldn't have that over here, but y'all should have that same energy when it comes to something regarding black people. Not just when it's a feminist issue. Not just when it's an animal issue. Not just when it's an environmental issue. Y'all got to care about us too. As much as y'all hate it, we built this country on our backs and we American citizens just like you. When we had the uh, the gay football player, player said, it's great to see a change. But when Colin Kaepernick took a knee, they said, hey, I just want you to know I'm not involved with that kind of shit. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I'm not that kind of nigga. So how do you incorporate the gay agenda and support it, but we can't fight for our own lives? We can't have, take a silent protest against our own lives. Then these house niggas, they support that shit. So the house niggas will support everything except their own. Black people are the only people to loudly announce that they're not like their peers. I just want you to know, master, that I am not like that nigger over there. I'm a different kind of nigger. We're the only people to do that stupid shit. Colin Kaepernick said America not great. He took a knee. He protested. They tell this nigga to leave. Donald Trump said America not great. He becomes the president. So he and he didn't even say I was doing it for black people. He just said it. I was he was doing it for police brutality. But like I said, you're you're they're you're attacking their gods and their foot soldiers that are responsible for keeping black people in line and responsible for the physical brutal aspect of racism because we deal with all different kinds of institutionalized racism. We're not educated properly. We don't eat. We're not given the proper foods. All. all all of these different things we're taught to hate ourselves. We, we mass incarceration, the war on drugs, all of these covert acts of racism. But the job of the police officer 
is to deliver a physical, brutal, in-your-face act of racism. That's why when they come to your window, they look down at you and they talk to you like you're a boy and they make sure you feel uncomfortable and they make sure they disrespect you and they make sure they're rude to you and they make sure they don't hear out your opinion. Because they want to let you know that you're not shit in this world. And there are white people who can advocate to what I'm saying. There was a woman on the advice show who said her white friends tell her they feel that black people are to be kept in line by the police. So they feel that it's, it's, it should be militant and militarized. That's, what they, that's the kind of energy that white people support and they want. That's the kind of policing they want and they feel they need in the black community. So police aren't to protect us. This is coming from white people, not my black ass. This is their opinion. They're not in our community to protect us. They're in our community to brutally let us know we're beneath them and to keep us in line and keep us in check. And they are the foot soldiers for the grand scheme of things in racism. They're the pawns. They're the people on the front line fighting the war to keep the country divided, to fight the war of racism. The fight to fight the war of white supremacy. They're the foot soldiers. They're their gods. In in white communities, black police uh, in white communities, the police officer are they're their friends. They're their peers. They're they're loving people. You know what I mean? They you, you, usually usually white people they know most of the police in the community personally, and they they treat them with respect, and they give them chances, and they have this great relationship, and they do fundraisers for. The, they do fundraisers for the police And it's just You know it's just this happy go lucky Relationship and environment And the way it should be But when it comes to black people It's militarized and it's angry And it's violent and it's brutal And it's murders And What we need to realize is They They promote And I, I, I said earlier that I had this note later on. I just came across it. I know I, I might sound repetitive, but they I, I want to make sure I get this point across. They promote the racism through policing. I feel like this is an, an important point, point people need to realize because only view the white murders from police brutality as a sacrifice because if it was really the only time – I'm sorry, guys. I, I I might have to do a part two to this, but I need y'all to hear this. I need y'all to listen to what I'm saying. They only promote Blue Lives Matter to create a racial disparity between white cops and black people. They promote it to keep that racist culture alive. They don't promote it when white people are when white cops are killing white kids and white men and white women. It's not promoted the same way. If 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 we were really talking about the overall spectrum of police policing mat of police matters and caring about the police officer blue lives would matter when it was a white child but there is not that same push when it's a white child it's viewed as a sacrifice but when a black kid gets killed it's blue lives matter you have to understand the concern for the police officers and you have to hear their side of things there are people too so the only time we see the rise of Blue Lives Matter in the white community is when they're killing us, 
Not when they're killing them. It gets brushed under the radar. It, it, it gets brushed under the rug. They won't talk about it. Kid, a, white, a white kid got killed in San Diego this year. Where is the movement for that? Where is the Blue Lives Matter for that? It's not there. It's not there. Because they use it as propaganda. They use it as social engineering to create the racial disparity between white, white police officers and black people. So they, they, they make it this racial war, which it is, but they promote it heavily. And they paint this illustration that it's the only police brutality in this America is white versus black. When there is white versus white police brutality, they, they do the same thing with crime. There is as, listen, there is a such thing as white on white crime, actually almost just as high as black on black crime. 84 to 91. And hey, listeners, I say this a lot. Statistically, the crime rates of Caucasian are higher than those of black people. So where is the, where is the outcry for white on white crime? Where is the, issue, the, uh, the outcry for, for white crime? Where is the outcry for white on white murders? Where is the outcry for white crime? No, it's, 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 it's morphed into a racial issue. That's what people need to realize. Black people don't make everything a race issue. Black people do not make everything a race issue. White people make everything a race issue. Because where is all the movements for white on white crime? Where's all the movements for white on white murder? Where, where's all of the, the movements for their statistics of criminality? You don't see them because they want to illustrate Black people as murdering each other. Black people as committing all the crime and wrongdoing in this country. They do the same thing with Muslim people. They're the terrorists, even though they do the same thing. White people commit more terroristic acts than Muslim people. Much higher rates. White people are always committing acts of terrorism, but it's not labeled as terrorism. But a, a Muslim person could sneeze and it's labeled that's terrorism. We got to wake up. So they only put that emphasis on Blue Lives Matter when it's an issue in the black community. When, when, when a black, if a black person kill a police officer, it's Blue Lives Matter. When a, when a white officer kill a, a black kid, they cape for the cop and say, you have to understand, you have to hear out the case. Blue Lives Matter, too. But here, people, you got to understand, white people kill cops at a much more higher alarming rate than black people. Where are the blue lives matter? Why don't blue lives matter when white people kill cops? Why don't blue lives matter when white people kill white kids? Because they want to morph it into a racial issue to keep racism prominent in this country. Because they look at those those cops who get killed, those white cops who get killed by white people, and they look at those white kids who get killed by white officers, they, they just write them off. So they don't, so black people don't make this a racial issue. White people won't look at police brutality as a whole. They only focus when it's white versus black. So they, cre- they create this, they create, they create that racial disparity and they create that racism. White lives just get written off. Because white people are the gods and the foot soldiers that fight for racism. 
like I said, go watch the Advice Show TV. Hashtag Boycott the NFL. He does like a two-hour live on this. They only vouch for Blue Lives Matter when it's black versus white. They write off the white children who lose their lives. They write off the white officers because they don't care about police brutality as a whole. Those people are just sacrifices. They know that police are out here for the betterment of white people, and they're out here to make sure black people are getting murdered, getting hurt, and make sure that they are being verbally abused in every way, shape, or form. And so white America and all these racist motherfuckers know that those foot soldiers, those gods, those police officers are fighting that good fight for them. So a few white lives on the way there, who cares? The white community don't care about them because they know there's a bigger issue at hand and they need the they need those race soldiers those race soldiers they need those foot soldiers they need those gods to continue to fight and wave the flag of white supremacy and to continue to belittle and kill black people if they really cared about blue lives there will be blue lives matters movement when white men are killing police officers at alarming rates when white people are killing white children when white officers are killing white children, you don't see Blue Lives Matters. You don't see the Blue Lives Matters movement for those issues because they don't care when it's white people. They only care when it's black people. Those, they just write those off. Those are sacrifices. White people who die from the police are just sacrifices. Only want to entertain those racist conversations. So they push the police to continue to display the flag of white supremacy and keep racism going a few white lives on the way is just a sacrifice and i'm I'm telling the truth go look at the rates that white men kill police officers if blue lives really mattered we'd be caping against those white men there would be a whole movement against white men because so, so many of them kill white people but you don't see those kinds of movements for white people killing police because they don't care. It gets written off as a sacrifice. Let's get back to the racism. Let's keep our foot soldiers and our gods fighting the good fight of white supremacy. So they, these guys, these people that were more, back to Colin Kaepernick, they were more concerned with his protest than it was what he was actually protesting. How dare you go against the system? How dare you go against our race soldiers? How dare you go against our gods? And racism is often... That it's hidden as patriotism Being patriotic is fighting for what's right It's not being silent and accepting defeat So Colin Kaepernick was being patriotic But they've morphed this patriotic lingo Into something that's actually just a hidden code for racism Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said they have failure to fix the problem The failure to fix the problem is what's un-American about it Mark Twain said, pledge to the flag when the government deserves it. Malcolm X said, just because you were born in the oven doesn't make you a biscuit. So just because I was, I was a black man and I was born here, doesn't mean I'm given the same types of treatment and freedom as white people. Just because I was born in the oven doesn't mean I was made a biscuit. Red Pill, leader in the conscious community, said, until you are ready to die, you aren't ready to live. We have to start practicing alpha male behavior. 
You know, they demonize his peaceful protest, but always swear up and down if we need to protest, that it should be peaceful. You know, and just just white people just they they refuse to get it. They don't want to hear your side of things. And they just demonized him and they moved on with their lives and they could care less what the message was. And they tell us we need to be more like Martin Luther King, but you killed Martin Luther King. And Martin Luther King, like I said last episode, the last year of his life, he gave up on peaceful protests. When Tommy Lauren was on the show with Trevor Noah, Trevor Noah asked Tommy Lauren, so if Colin Kaepernick did it wrong, how should he have done it? She didn't have an answer because she doesn't feel he should be protesting for anything because she doesn't care about his issues. And she refuses to care. She refuses to further examine it and look into how he feels or look into what's happening in black America. <coughs> yeah, she said some bullshit like, oh, what? I'm going to just go and protest because I got women's rights later than everybody else, or some bullshit. Long story short, <clears throat> I don't believe him. I don't want to believe him. I don't care what he's talking about. Shut up and play football. That's what the title of this podcast should have been, Shut Up and Play Football. So the country has disrespected us, and the NFL is disrespecting us. We are not disrespecting the country. You know, you have so many people say, oh, you know what I mean, and pledging for, for these different patriotic symbols. It's, uh, it's self-respect, and it's respect to the country, and respect to, you know, what you value. And like, oh, that's bullshit. Respect to who? How, how, how are these patriotic symbols and signs how do they respect you? But we have to respect it back. And they're so mad about him taking a knee, but the sympathy they have for murderers and rapists, Brock Turner, Dylan Roof, Ben Roethlisberger, Bill O'Reilly, James Holmes. It's amazing. Those same people would justify one of us dying. But second chances and forgiveness only exist for white people. They only have empathy for themselves. So they will they will cape for a rapist before they cape for a black man who's speaking up about issues he faces in his community or his peers face. It's ridiculous. So now All right, now the last topic I'm going to get into is we got to get off the plantation. We have to get off the plantation. The issue with him is all racial. It's not about sports. So Colin Kaepernick not getting a job isn't racially motivated, said white people. How not? Was Sean King's argument. How is it not racially motivated? So Boyce Watkins, he he uses this term called the unqualified Negro syndrome. And what what that means is they try to find a way to devalue you or tell you your opinion doesn't matter. And we, we kind of spoke on that a little bit earlier about them shaming him for not voting him. That's unqualified Negro syndrome just to tell you, oh, your issue and your stance and the way you care doesn't matter because you're not a perfect person. That's what they do. Unqualified Negro syndrome. I'm running out of time. I got a story about me experiencing unqualified Negro syndrome. 
So systems reward you for following, uh, following the rules and supporting the systems, not for talent or creativity. If America is a white supremacist system, we cannot qualify our success based off these systems. <clears throat> That's where Coonan came into play. O.J. Simpson, Jason Whitlock. Coon their way to the top. You get supported for following the system, the white supremacy system. You know, Colin Kaepernick opened a can of worms. Because he's flipping the script. Typically, NFL owners can operate in a context where they don't have any respect for their black players. They feel no need to respect them. So what Colin does is he said, I'm a man just like you. I'm human. My community needs me just as much as your community needs you. What my community is going through is just as important as what you're going through. Whether that be gay rights, breast cancer, example, example after example. My issue is the murdering of black men getting shot down in their neighborhoods. We're under a constant terror attack, so I need to stand up for that. Well, what Colin Kaepernick is doing is messing up the pimp game. So NFL owners won't pick him up. The white supremacy teamed up to the highest levels possible. Trump said in, in Kentucky, NFL owners are scared to pick him up because they will get a nasty tweet from him. <laughs> so who are these NFL owners of these 32 teams? All old white men. You got Kim and Terry Pagula, owners of the Buffalo Bills. He's white. She's Korean. And then you got Virginia, Virginia McCaskey, the white woman who owns the Chicago Bears. You got Denise DeBartolo, white woman who owns the San Francisco 49ers. Martha Ford owns the Detroit Lions, white woman. And then you have um, a Pakistan guy. That's it. So besides that, that handful of women and the Pakistan guy, it's all old white men. They don't care about us. The average age is 70 years old. The majority of them are just old white men. Not one black owner, but telling a black man how to operate, what they can and can't say. If most of your employees are black, You know how disrespectful it is to just say, fuck my employees, fuck how you feel, fuck what your concerns are, just make me money, you'll be alright. That's some fucked up disrespectful shit, and we're going to continue to support the NFL. You know what I mean? And to further speak on the plantation, just look at college players. They don't get anything. It costs nothing to send a player to college for free. The people who don't play football, they pay your tuition, and they make millions millions of dollars off of TV. They got coaches making like $11 million for a season off of merchandise, off of ticket sales. They're making money, but it's an inconvenience to bring your mama to the game. Coaches demand all these high salaries. Now, once you think of the players' families, while they're flying out their families on private jets, they see the, they see the black families as an inconvenience to get them get those bodies out to the game. It's just bullshit. Like, we really got to wake up. You know what I mean? It's a slave master mentality. They're adamantly supporting Donald Trump shows that they don't really support black men. They just use us as animals. Do you think those owners care about us or our problems? They go to these games. They watch these black men play, but they can care less about our issues. It's only your job to entertain me. That's why most of much of the NFL is black. <clears throat> and most of the viewers are white. It is a very racialized institution. Institution. Seventy-one percent of us on that field. The majority of the viewers white. 
Run up and down the field, nigger. Keep your mouth shut. Call Richard Sherman a thug. For what? How you call another man a thug? An educated man at that who actually isn't a thug. <clears throat> Cold word for calling a black man a nigger. That's the way they think of us. We, we all we are thugs. We are niggers. They don't really care about us. They give us a couple million dollars, tell us run up and down the field until our brains don't work no more. Then they throw us in a fucking pile. <clears throat> you just become a nigger who played a sport. Or a nigger with money. You're still a nigger. You know, they didn't demonize Ben Roethlisberger the way they demonized Kobe Bryant. You know, they demonized Terrell Owens and Chad Johnson. Talking about the, the guys like that have too much mouth. How you a grown man talking about you got too much mouth? Either you want to play football or not. You doing good for the team or not. How am I to tell you uh, how to talk? Or even think about the guys. Think about this. When Allen Iverson used to come to the games back, way back in the day, you know, fly, white tees, and that kind of stuff. And now uh, we got to wear suits. Why you need to wear a fucking suit to a basketball game? You don't run a Fortune 500 company. But they, they treat us like, like, like we're little boys. They treat us like they're, they're our fathers or something. Going to tell me how to dress, how to talk. Tell me when I have too much lip. You know, they, they, they just treated Colin Kaepernick like the rebellious slave. Like, we got to look at all of, all of the, the racism that goes into this game, people. You know, we're just good for entertainment, capital, or pleasure. Anything else, you become a problem. When Colin Kaepernick stopped following the script, it became a large problem. Drop a couple Jews on y'all. The Negro League made more money than Major League Baseball and had more talent. Those Negro League players were better than the MLB players. They wanted us in baseball just to make money off of us. I think I mentioned that in last episode somewhere. They only brought us into their sports to make money off of us. None of us are owners. None of us are in front office positions. That's intentional. They cultivate our kids just to depend on sports and entertainment. The owner of the New York Giants said he wasn't in any talk with Colin Kaepernick, but received threatening emails saying they would boycott going to the games if anyone did anything similar. That's the amount of racist people who don't give a fuck about black people watching and supporting this game. And we just go around. We go about our lives. So like I told you in the beginning, they signed Austin Davis who's actually a lot more below average than him. Austin Davis is below average, and Colin Kaepernick is extremely talented and is very proven. But Austin Davis has a job because he is operating in the system of racism and white supremacy the way he's supposed to. And here's what I've been waiting to get to. I wanted to break down to y'all. On the field play is even racialized. So black people are so talented, we could be 71% of the population on the field, but it's only four black starting quarterbacks. Where the black coach? Where the black head coaches? Where the black quarterback? Those are positions of power. They don't want us to have those positions. You know, if we are most of the players, why we can't be most of the head coaches? If we most of the players, why we can't be most of the quarterbacks? If we most, of, if we're most of the players, why we can't be most of the front office? If we're most of the players, why we can't be most of the owners? It's a system we in. It's not. It's nothing a black man can't do in that game of football. Then they tell you you can't celebrate on the field. It's just it's so much racism. Four black starting quarterbacks. So a black man can't throw a fucking ball. Ridiculous. 
I can't throw. I can't. I can do everything else on the field, but I can't be a coach and throw a ball. The combine is like a slave auction. Minister Farrakhan said that. And then you hear about all the like the University of Michigan doing these unethical things. The players on the field. It's just bullshit. They don't care if you have brain damage, go broke, or get sh- get shot by the cops. You just play football. It, 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 nobody cares. And here's another jewel field. And I learned this on Boyce Walking Show. Shows like First Take on ESPN, people profit from black people's pain. They concluded that black men are home all day watching ESPN because they can't get jobs. So you know what they did? They put more black people on the show. They're literally profiting from our pain and making it beneficial to them, profiting from our misery. Where's our stand on these things, guys? And then they don't pay these guys in college a dime. That's a new form of slavery. And the NFL combine is like picking a slave. Why did all these white men being entertained by black men? And then when you stand up and talk, you're the rebellious slave. All right, I got 25 minutes, guys. I'm trying to do this in two hours. I'm almost done. Uh, another thing I wanted to take off, people always like to fall back on Colin Kaepernick. With the, he, he's not completely black narrative. Everyone is quick to get into colorism and somebody isn't a full nigga. That's stupid. As you can see, when they didn't like Colin Kaepernick, he became a full nigga real fast. Obama not a full, not fully black. He became a nigga real fast. J. Cole not fully black. When his house got raided by the police for no reason, he became a nigga real fast. Shit, Jesse Williams gave that amazing speech at the BET Awards. He he like he light skin. He he was feeling he was feeling the spirit of his ancestors in him. It don't it don't matter. Don't matter how light your skin is. You know, Tiger Woods always used to talk that Kablazian shit until he got arrested. When when that motherfucker got when they got arrested for the supposed uh, DUI, they motherfucker put black on that uh, police report though. <laughs> he put black that 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 white cop put black on that police report. He wasn't Kablazian when his ass got pulled over. You know what I mean? And he tells stories about how he uh he couldn't play on certain golf courses. They didn't even look like they wanted to put the master's jacket on him when he won that first championship. But I thought you was white. Tiger Woods. Think about it, guys. Like the the mixed breed, and I heard Red Pill say this. The mixed breed, they gotta sit at the dinner table with these niggas. They get the inside scoop of racism. They hurt. They know their opponent know exactly who he is. They don't have the same privileges as their uncles and their cousins. So they see racism front and center. They are, they are at war within themselves. Yo, Red Pill said some fire shit. Like, mixed people, they are at war within themselves. Because they got to see both sides of the coin like that. And people got to realize mixed children were made to be a buffer race. They never acknowledged us as white. They are not a part of dominant society. The field woman got with the son to create inter- Mediaries, intermediaries. I, I think I'm saying that right. I think Red Pill said that shit. Intermediaries will fill niggas in the white slave owner. The fill woman got with the son to create intermediaries with fill niggas and the white slave owner. It never was a real race. You was you was always still black. So you know what I mean. And now that everybody's heard four four four. What Jay-Z is referring to with uh, the OJ song is OJ was the first person to create a market for being a house nigga. 
They 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 rewarded him for being a house nigga and saying, I'm not black, I'm OJ. I'm American. He was the all-American guy. While all these other guys next to him was out here fighting a good fight. All these other athletes, he's, he's saying, I'm not black, I'm OJ. So, you know, these, these black players, they're terrified. You know what I mean? They're terrified. They're like, yo, they, they, they got to stay on this assimilated path because they don't have no other choice. They done ran away from the hood. They probably didn't give back to their community. So now they stuck in assimilation. You know what I mean? That, you shouldn't be like that, man. You got to be in full support of these kind of things. You're living out the OJ dream. You're shitting on the hood. We're never gonna we're never gonna move forward if that's the kind of mentality you have. You know what I mean? And then when you talk about those old athletes like Kareem Abdul Jabbar, nobody had more to lose than him. He was a solidified star. He was standing up for what's right. It's like you get the Muhammad Ali bloodline or the OJ bloodline with some of these athletes. You know, nobody wants to do anything to do with activism. We just want to successfully operate in the system of white supremacy. The code to only confuse. The code to only com- the f- ah sorry guys I'm doing this too long by myself. The code to only fuel the consumerism base and to not have a voice about anything regarding your community or your people. That's being a house nigga. You know, like I said, there's no reward system for standing up for your people. Like you get, you know what, black people, we got to get together. We got to start. Supplying these guys with a reward system, you know we 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 have we have done a very poor job of advocating for Colin Kaepernick and praising him. You know, black people crack me up because we say, "Yo, you know those professional athletes, they need to do more for the hood, and they need to do that, and they need to stand up." Motherfucking Colin Kaepernick taking knee. All these black people run the opposite direction. I ain't got nothing to do with that. All these black people slander him just like white people slander him. My whole fucking life, I'm a hip-hop baby. Black uh, Jay-Z need to speak up for the black community. Jay-Z need to make songs like this. Jay-Z need to do more. Jay-Z finally do that. Then, oh, everybody else been doing that for so long. I don't know why y'all so impressed. Like, we socially engineered to be mad about everything, not give a fuck about anything, to find a way, a new way to criticize absolutely everything. I don't understand that, brothers and sisters. We got to wake up out of that coma. We have to. That is, we are socially engineered to think that way. You never support your brothers and sisters for anything, even when they're doing what you ask them to do. How can we support this brother? How can we support Colin? Do you want to defeat the system or find a comfortable, a comfortable way to operate within it? We disregard the black power and the black dollar. Hashtag boycott the NFL. That's the movement. That's what we got to do. We got to stop supporting and stop going to the game. Stop watching NFL on TV. Cancel your NFL Sunday ticket. Don't buy any NFL merchandise. Players, stop playing. As much as we contribute to that culture on and off the field, this is the thanks we get with the way they're treating Colin Kaepernick. We could shut the NFL down overnight. If we do all those things I just named, I just named they will lose billions of dollars. We have unrealized potential in the black community, and I spoke about that on the episode with Ashley. We have unrealized potential. We got the NFL by the balls. Right now, if all black people stop supporting the NFL, they start losing billions of dollars. They start losing billions of dollars. Football cannot thrive without us. How do we make them give a damn? We boycott the NFL. 
Make it open and make it plain. Hashtag it. We are conditioned through social engineering to admire everybody else's agenda, but not to shed light on our own. We're conditioned through social engineering because we see these house niggas who who talk bad about black people, don't give back to the hood, criticize everything we do. We see these, you know, these Stephen A. Smith guys who are wishy-washy with his opinion. One minute he support him, one minute he don't. Trying to, you know, fuel the consumerism of the black man and the white man. It confuses the, the black audience. So they, they, those are the types of social engineering that just, we don't, we don't know what's right and wrong. We don't know who to follow. But I'm telling you, follow me. We boycotting the fucking NFL. That's what I'm doing. I'm not supporting that league no more. For all the reasons I've been naming for the past two hours. We, be, we think the best thing a black person can do is be accepted by white people and catch up with white people. That mentality is preventing us from reaching our full potential as African people. Why are we supporting people who don't care if we live or die? They will stand up for everything but us. You know what I mean? Colin Kaepernick had the number one selling jersey last year. He also everybody. They know it's an issue in America. That's why the white people were so mad that he was standing up for something and they were emailing the Giants owner and shit, talking about we're not going to support the game no more. And all my house niggas and our coons who's scared to ever use their voice, they went out and bought that jersey. So everybody know what's up. we just choosing to stay silent and operate in this society. And you know, all those people criticizing Colin Kaepernick, well, people buy his jersey if he had a, a incorrect message. Think about that. You know what I mean? The rednecks, the the white people, they boycotted the NFL last year. They, they say the ratings went down when he started taking a knee. So you know they they collectively got together and they wasn't supporting our cause. So we got to get collectively together and we can't support them. Them, them racist white people wasn't supporting the NFL when Colin Kaepernick was taking a knee. So guess what? Y'all not going to give Colin Kaepernick a job? We not supporting you. And just we not supporting you even if you do give him a job because y'all a racist institution. We Yeah, we got to get we got to link up. We got to code up. We got to get together. We got to start practicing unity. You know, nobody, nobody wants to sign a quarterback who made it to the Super Bowl. The racism is so blatant, guys. You know, and you know what I realized? They uh they'll support they they will support another a political or social issue because if they don't support a Jewish people on their their uh, political or social issue, they don't support gay people on their political or social issue, they lose money. But they could trample over black people because black people don't care about each other and they won't they don't unite and black people won't do nothing. And we have all this unrealized potential. Like there was a guy uh named PewDiePie on on YouTube and he put up this anti Semitic YouTube blog and yo, it, fucking YouTube was on the track to losing billions of dollars. It was a big conspiracy. Go look it up. And they had to Reform the whole way that uh, YouTube bloggers do things And they had to find different ways to Rate the content 
and and let the let the viewer know what they're about to be seeing. They had to change the whole structure of YouTube from one picture, from one blog. You know why? Because yo, because they were gonna lose money. All those all those corporations, all those Jewish people started pulling out. So guess what? Black people got to do the same thing. We got to start pulling out. We have to start pulling out. Well, I got thirteen minutes left. I got two pages of notes left. You know what I mean? We was the first commodity on Wall Street. We were the first commodity on Wall Street. But we still want to defend this country. You know, sit sit down. If you don't want to pick up a pistol and don't put your hand on your heart, then sit down. If you don't want to pick up a pistol and you don't want to sit down during these songs, then just boycott the NFL. Like, this is the easiest uh, act of activism there is. It takes no effort. Just don't turn it to that fucking channel this year. You ain't got to be a Black Panther and go shoot nobody. You know what I mean? And we have to admire Colin Kaepernick and show our boys that's how you be an alpha male. That's the alpha male right there. That's the person you need to follow the path of and be like. You know, because they just want you, they want you locked in the system. They want you in one of these graves or, or in one of these cages. They don't want you to be an alpha, alpha male. They want you to grow up and be one of these submissive niggas. None of these guys they present to the youth, the majority of them, the majority of these guys aren't alpha males. They're submissive niggas. <laughs> like Colin, uh, LeBron James, he want to talk about black issues now. That his house got vandalized. When they asked LeBron James about Tamir Rice, he gave some flimsy-ass answer. But those are those are the people. Those are our young black boys' role models. These submit, submissive ass niggas who taught to operate in a system of white supremacy. 